0: In our modern day, we have a rule, love only those who love you first. Well, as Christians, we live under a different rule, as we'll see next, here on today's broadcast of Truth For Today. What does true love look like? Oh, libraries are filled with volumes on love and what it should look like. But the definitive answer can be found right here in John chapter 15, verses 18 through 16. Loving in a hateful world. How do you do that? Jesus has the answer for us. Stick around as we examine it together next. From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, here's Pastor Phil Howard. And this edition of Truth For Today. John
1: 15. Verse 18, if the world hates you, you know it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would not have sinned. But now they have both seen and hated me and my father as well. But they have done this to fulfill the word that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. When the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the father, that is the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. And you will testify also, because you have been with me from the beginning. These things I have spoken to you, so that you may be kept from stumbling. And the idea is probably from falling away from following me, just abandoning me. They will make you outcasts from the synagogue, But an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he's offering service to God. These things they will do because they have not known the Father or me. But these things I've spoken to you so that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you of them. These things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. Uh, what a paradoxical passage. Uh, in the midst of John 13 through 17, repeatedly Christ says, I love you. The Father loves you. John three sixteen. God so loved the world. Love, love, love. And us, he must tell us, Probably 10 to 15 times. Love one another. 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 And then he says, by the way, I want to fill you in on something. You're going to be hated because you're my follower. You're going to be hated because you're identified with me. Uh, That is so amazing. So... We want to consider a little bit this morning. We've been called to love in a hateful world, a world full of hate. Uh, I just saw in the paper today that someone says, I no longer trust fellow Americans. I remain cautious wherever I go because I don't consider it safe anymore to be in America. I thought that was an astounding word. Not necessarily safe, but. You know, my family, we lived along Cutting in Richmond. Is that safe? Is your neighborhood safe? How many bars do you have on your window? Things have changed immensely. Things have changed immensely. Let's take a journey here. We're in the world, but we're not of it. When we talk about the world... uh, There's different ways it's used. It's used of terra firma, geography. Uh, We're all in the world insofar as I think you're walking on dirt or cement or you're here on the earth. Uh, We're in the world in that sense. Geography, we can't escape that. Uh, We're we're a part of uh, humanity on one level. And so we can't escape the fact we're human beings if you're thinking of the world in that sense. But when you use the word world in the book of John as a whole, it's like John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Is he talking about dirt? Is he talking about geography? Places? I love places. Uh, Is he talking about people? Yeah. What about people? Good people, bad people. He's talking about the whole human race viewed as bad. The race in rebellion against God, and God to meet that rebellion did something never imagined. He decided to love it. So what is really underscored in John 3.16 is our badness and God's love. And we will see in the book of John, to be of the world is not good. It's that part, that part of humanity that is uh, monitored to come together against God. Let me give you some uh, uh, definition here. I give you a definition from a fellow named Kenneth Weest. He says the world refers to the cosmos. Now, cosmos versus chaos. And the word cosmos means beauty, cosmetics. We're hoping that cosmetics will do a miracle for you. <laughs> that it will arrange chaos. No, I mean that it will arrange that it will uh, beautify, that it will accentuate, like, cosmetically attired, everything from a uh, facial to a room. To bring a cosmetic effect is to make it look good, well arranged, beautiful. The cosmos, though, viewed by John, is this way, refers to an ordered system. It is an ordered system of which Satan is the head. His fallen angels or demons are his emissaries, and the unsaved of the human race are his subjects, together with those purposes, pursuits, pleasures, practices, and places where God is not wanted. Much in this world system is cultured, refined, religious, and intellectual. But the world is anti-God and anti-Christ. And we were all a part of it at one time. We were in the world, all of us. But we have had a change. We're now seeing in John Father, I do not pray you take them out of the world, but that you leave them in it, although they are no longer a part of it. In the world, but not of it. What does that mean? When you are born again, you get a birth to another world, from another world, and you're headed to another world, so that the New Testament refers to us with these kinds of descriptions. We are pilgrims strangers, aliens in this world, traveling through it, even as Abraham was leaving Ur, and we're traveling, searching for a new home. This world is not our home. It is no longer the source of our new nature, the source of our destiny, the source of our meaning, the source of who we are. We're in it, but we're not out of it as to source. And so, uh, you get no further than the book of Acts to see how the world hates those that have been chosen out of the world to become members of the divine family and headed to another world. You know, it's kind of like uh, not every girl on the block gets asked to go to the prom, and as soon as you get asked to go, you become resented by the rest that weren't asked. And it's an amazing thing. We've been chosen to great privilege, but those who do not enjoy the privilege learn to hate us without us even knowing it. Look at the book of Acts to see the hate fulfilled. Acts 3, Peter heals a man by the gate called Beautiful. By chapter 4, the throne in prison. They go before the Sanhedrin. They put him in prison. Uh, Let's go to chapter 6. Stephen is picked as a deacon. Chapter 7, he's put on the spot to defend the faith. Uh, The Jewish leaders are persecution. First of all, what a tragedy in history. The first ones who made up the church were Jews, and the first ones to persecute Christianity were Jews. And painfully, the favor has been returned to them a millionfold, not rightfully so, but in the name of Christianity Millions of Jews have been killed. Wrongly. It should have never happened. But the favor was returned. A horrendous shame on the church that we killed so many of them during the Crusades. And they've never forgotten it. That's why they consider Christianity anti-Semitic. That's the problem. We must not be anti-Semitic. But the Jews persecuted the church. So that you come to chapter 7, Stephen is stoned, and a man there, a rabbi, they lay his garments at his feet, he begins to pursue more Christians to kill. Chapter 8, the church is scattering because they're scared, they're getting out of Jerusalem because Stephen's been killed. Chapter 8, they scatter, Philip goes down to Samaria, chapter 9, Paul becomes a believer as he's going to Damascus to, with letters to arrest and kill Christians. Chapter 12, Peter and Silas. Notice Paul and Silas in Acts 12 wind up in prison. Chapter 24 through 28, Paul is headed on a ship going to Nero, going to the man that will behead him in Rome. Persecution. Persecution. Per- just in the book of Acts. On and on. The, in the early days, many lies were invented both by the Jews and the Romans against Christians. They, they circulated lies like this. Christians are atheists. And they did that because they did not go to the uh, Roman and Greek pantheon of God's And since they didn't go to their temples, they said, hey, these people are atheists. They don't believe in the gods. And they said, we don't. We believe in the God. We're not polytheists. We're one God. They said, you're an atheist. They they had another lie they told on them. I had this happen one time when we were taking communion uh, at Holy Ghost Hall in the early days. They accused us of being cannibals. Because in the Lord's Supper, this is my body, take and eat. And I had a guy jump up in the service, you're cannibals, and ran out of the building. He really did. We had many great experiences there. (laughs) And so the lie was circulated, these Christians are cannibals. They're saying they're eating the body of Christ. They say they're drinking his blood. And so they circulated that rumor. They also circulated, they were very, very immoral because they had something that went on called the love feast. And they made the love feast to be sexual orgy uh, and where they were just being immoral. They made up, because the meetings were usually secret to avoid persecution. So they said, you're having secret meetings. You must be practicing immorality. Then this is the most blatant one. They accused them of incest, because they always greeted each other with a kiss. And so they said, aha, incestuous. It was the kiss of peace. And it's an amazing thing. Italians can do it. They never accuse them. Can you imagine saying that to Luigi? Boom. But they said it about Christians. They're into incest. So all of these lies would go about the Christian community. So they lied about them. Jewish persecution went on and on. Roman persecution, up with the emperors, it happened over and over. Every time something went wrong in Rome, they said, kill the Christians. Uh, Nero sees Rome burn, blame the Christians. And one of the early church fathers says, the lions can only eat so many of us. If something goes wrong in Rome, kill a Christian kill a Christian. So what Christ said for 300 years was graphically being carried out, carried out constantly. It wasn't until about 313 and Constantine professes to become a Christian that there's finally no more Colosseum, no more lions, no more killing Christians. So you see, to be identified with Christ has always been a costly, costly thing. But America was established by people fleeing religious persecution. And a part of its constitution was to promise religious liberty. And we, for over 300 years, have enjoyed the greatest liberty as a nation to make God known of any people anywhere. Oh, how we need to thank God that we live in America. Thank God for America. I mean that. We don't have to go underground. There will always be faults as long as human beings are running things. But we have been given great freedoms. The thing killing the church today is not persecution. It may be other diseases. So he said, you will suffer greatly. Now, there's three reasons why he said the world will hate us. Three reasons. Let's look at them. What a, why would Christians ever be hated? Uh, let's, let's take it this way. Could you imagine that anybody would ever kill Jesus? I mean, think about it. The humblest man on the earth was Jesus, right? The meekest man. Let, let's say uh, you could pick your neighbors. And this crowd is beer guzzlers and, and, and whiskey drinkers gamblers and a lot of other stuff, and over here, Jesus could be your neighbor. I mean, even if you weren't saved, you're just a pagan, who would you want for a neighbor? I mean, he's humble, he's meek, um, I mean, can you think this way with me? Just as a human being, don't, don't even think about his deity. Why would you hate a humble man? Why would you hate somebody that doesn't want to hurt anyone? Did Jesus ever hurt anybody? Did he ever win a fist fight? I mean, is it rational to hate Jesus? You know, is he hated? Oh, well, yeah. He did go back to heaven by way of the cross. Three reasons why people would hate us. And Jesus said, verse 18... And verse 20, he says, let's just take 19. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this world, of this the world hates you. Once you're no longer loving the same pleasures, the same pursuits, the same philosophy, uh, the same, whatever the people are controlled by, because the world operates, uh, it's kind of like the puppet in the hand of Satan. It's full of lust and pride, and it appeals to us. It wants our devotion. It wants our money. wants our time, uh, our mental time, whatever. It's a, it's a rival God. It's a competitor, and it's a, a people that, It's philosophy is in rebellion against God. I don't need God. I need what we have. And he said, you, when you're no longer a part of the world system, how do you get out of it? Christ saves you. He chooses you to become his follower. Twice in John 15, he says, I've chosen you. I've chosen you for myself. Once that happens, the world will some way catch on and they w- will not want you around, and they may even move it up to hating you. Think about when you got saved. I think of, uh, in this church, in the early days, we had a lot of guys that had just gotten saved uh, before we started the church. And uh, uh, they were still hooked on, uh, you know, uh, they were still smoking joints, still... Uh, Hitting it a little bit, drink they hadn't cleaned up their life yet, as it were, as it were. I mean, they were in the process, God saved them, but they still went to the old parties. They would go there, they told me this, and they light up a joint, they may have a beer with the guys, but they brought their Bible, amen, amen. Jesus is coming soon. He's going to burn up this place. And you're going to hell unless you know Jesus. Man, they told me. They said, you aren't welcome to any more of our parties. Don't come to any more of our parties. We're telling you, don't come back. Well, uh, I knew one of them. They said they threw him out physically. No, no, no. We can't party with you around telling us about Jesus. He's gonna come any moment. I'm just a Christian. Yeah, we know you are. Get out of here. A lot of divorces happened in the early church because guys would uh, get married. They married a nice pagan woman, and they boogied a lot, and they sinned a lot, and all of a sudden, she becomes a Christian. She no longer wants to go to the idol's temple. She no longer wants to have sex with a priest up at the temple of Aphrodite. She no longer wants to go to the bar. She no longer wants to hang out to sing. He's got one of these women that loves God. He hangs out with these Christians all the time. She's a fanatic. All she talks about is Jesus, and he's coming, and and he's Lord. Isn't his word wonderful? And I love to sing his praises. You're not the woman I married. You ain't kidding. I'm not. You act like you love Jesus more than me. You ain't kidding. That's easy. Knowing you. You act like you're in love with this other man. I am. He died for me. He's going to rescue me. He answers my prayers. He helps me survive living with you. And the women said amen. And the men too. Because you know sometimes the men get saved once in a while. But then all of a sudden, I, I, my marriage is just messed up. Christianity's ruined my home. Sure enough has. I don't want you, babe. Get out of here. First Corinthians 7. He said, if they don't want you, let them go. You're not under bondage in such situations. You're free to remarry in the Lord. You just aren't a party animal anymore. No, I'd rather be in a good prayer meeting than smoke everything that produce on the West Coast.